Welcome to the Distrust and Disparities Podcast, Voices from the Margins of Healthcare. On this podcast, we will explore both current and historical cases of medical injustices within the American healthcare system. We will get into how we can overcome this systemic mistreatment, advocate for ourselves, and close the gap on poor health outcomes and disparities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Camille White. I didn't get permission to have conservatorship over me. I didn't know what he was doing. In episode 13, we discuss conservatorships and specifically how they're used for people with dementia. We cover Nichelle Nichols' story, the groundbreaking African-American actress known for her role in Star Trek. We delve into how people have preyed upon her vulnerability due to her dementia and the debate around her conservatorship. And we highlight the Axe to Caregiver Project, which is a faith-based skills building and support program designed to meet the needs of distressed family caregivers of older adults with dementia. So before we jump into our main story for this week, we wanted to discuss, you know, what dementia is and give you some statistics about this disorder. A general definition of dementia, it is a chronic disorder affecting the mind that includes the loss of cognitive functioning, like thinking, remembering, and reasoning, and it's where it interferes with a person's daily life and activities. So people with dementia may even experience personality changes, and there are different forms of dementia, and it has various stages ranging in severity. So, you know, someone who might be diagnosed with dementia might have milder symptoms compared to someone else with more severe symptoms. And those symptoms include such things of like memory loss, poor judgment, and confusion. They might even have difficulty speaking understanding or expressing like their thoughts and opinions and sometimes even reading and writing. They can end up having trouble handling money responsibly and paying their bills. A lot of, you know, if they're confused, they're going to be repeating questions and not being able to follow along in a conversation. They can even sometimes hallucinate and experience delusions. It can involve physical things of losing balance and problems with their movement. So dementia can show itself in many ways. It's definitely a sad disorder that does affect older people more often, but you can get diagnosed with it younger on. And symptoms can vary depending on the type of dementia you have. There are several different forms of it, including Alzheimer's disease, which I think most people know of when they think of dementia, and that's just the most commonly diagnosed dementia among older people. Yeah, and like you were saying, the symptoms can vary depending on like the person. It's very individualized or unique, and also depending on which part of the brain that is affected, that's where your symptoms will show and present. One person could be just forgetting things and then Another person, they can have complete personality changes. They can go from being calm and sweet to just irrational and impulsive. Mm -hmm. And I also found it important to note, so dementia is common in people as they grow older. So about one third of all people over 85 may develop some form of dementia, but dementia is not a normal part of aging. Mm-mm. It is not like most people think like as you get older, you start to develop dementia, but it is not. We have people living into their 90s that don't show any signs of dementia. So, of course, on our show, it's all about education and early prevention. So if you notice in one of your loved ones or close friends, something's changing with like their personality, they're forgetting things or acting impulsive as they get older, even if it's like your parents, you know, this is something that you want to make sure you bring up to them, have a conversation about it and let them know so that they can talk to their doctor and just get it checked out. Um, sometimes it could be due to like medication or some things that you're taking, or you want to find out if it's early dementia. Cause like you said, it can be diagnosed 
at a younger age or even if you're getting older, but you don't just want to ignore and be like, oh, this is a normal part of aging. No, you want to see if this is actual dementia or some type of memory loss so that the doctor can help you figure out what the next steps are and what actions that you need to put in place so that you can maintain as much of your cognitive function. But really important, dementia is not a normal part of aging. And we wanted to jump into some of the statistics because this is distrust and disparities. And we always want to highlight the gaps that exist in our healthcare system. The National Institute of Aging Network and their Alzheimer's Disease Research Center, they conducted a 15-year study with over 35,000 participants. And their results highlighted some really stark disparities So Black African-Americans are twice as likely as non-Hispanic whites to develop Alzheimer's and Latinos are 1.5 times as likely to develop Alzheimer's. And what's interesting to point out, despite having a higher prevalence of Alzheimer's disease, African-Americans were 35% less likely to be diagnosed with dementia than whites. So Their research study, it shows that Black patients often have to present with more severe clinical presentations of dementia in order to be diagnosed by physicians. And other studies have also pointed out this link. This is linked with white physicians not listening to Black patients when they tell them, you know, something is going on. And then there's also a social part where... Some people, like we were just discussing, people think dementia or having some memory loss is a normal part of aging. So they may brush it off and be like, oh, they're just getting older and not coming in to seek help. So that's why we wanted to stress, like if you notice any changes with personality, memory, impulses, that you bring it up to your primary care doctor so that you can let them know early before it gets to an advanced stage. Because a lot of times people aren't being diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's until they start to have really severe behavior, oftentimes when it's like aggressive behavior and it's like too late to put things in place where they're like aggressive, combative. That's when they're like, oh, this is dementia or this is some form of dementia that they're diagnosed. (laughs) Hypertension and diabetes are potential risk factors for developing forms of dementia. So as always, we want to make sure we are preventing these chronic diseases. Or if you have hypertension or diabetes, you want to make sure it's well controlled and well managed. Yes. I I think a running theme will be throughout many episodes is the importance of prevention and preventative Mm -hmm. care. It could be a medication that you're taking or something else that could be causing the memory loss or changes in your personality. We just want to get to the root cause. And also the doctors, they, in order to diagnose Alzheimer's, one part of it is doing a cognitive function test. So they'll ask you different tests that test different parts of your brain. So you have it done at one appointment and then they can have the study repeated just to make sure that it's still the same. Or if they're noticing there's some differences, it's like, hey, we need to put things in place so that you're not losing your cognitive function or we do things so that you're not, if you're having short-term memory loss, like things like having a clock, having the date posted and keeping that up to date so that you know and that you're aware. So there's things that we can put in place. And before we jump into our main story, I wanted to highlight another study that was done that looked at early life stressors and also like neighborhood conditions that can contribute to dementia risk late in life. So one study that was done in Wisconsin, they found that a single major stressful event in early life can equal to four years of cognitive aging. And they point out African-Americans are most at risk because on average, they experience over 60% of stressful major life events than non-Hispanic white people over their lifetime. So you can imagine all the things that are going on with like the Black Lives Matter movement, just seeing so many people dying, being shot. And if you experience like 
the racism and biases, like stressful events in your life, that can decrease your cognitive function. Yeah, I think that's a really important study and the results are really interesting, but not surprising because, Mm -hmm. you know, life in general is hard, but when you add on the effects of racism, it's like 10 times harder. Mm -hmm. So of Mm -hmm. course that sort of correlation makes sense that yeah, it wears on us. It's, it's a form of weathering. Mm -hmm. It, it, it wears on us and that weathering, those microaggressions, they end up showing up later on in life where, you know, our minds can't handle it anymore. Yeah, it's basically, it's killing us. It's shortening our lifespan. Research is just confirming what we already know. Let's jump into this week's story for this week. I told you about this story a few months ago. Yeah, I was watching the Free Britney, Britney Spears documentary and just everything surrounding like her conservatorship Mm -hmm. and how her fans were rallying behind her and trying to get her out of this conservatorship. So they were actually really instrumental in helping her get the support and also the attention she needed to get out of her own conservatorship. Through that, once they did that, the Free Britney movement, they brought up Nichelle Nichols case and how she is also she is in a conservatorship as well and before Mm -hmm. Britney Spears and her conservatorship I didn't really know too much about it but reading into Nichelle Nichols case it's very different than Britney Spears and in Nichols case it's complicated because she has dementia yes I mean Nichols is now 89 years old Plus, she has dementia. Very, very different cases of conservatorship. And typically, most people, I think, would expect someone of Nichols' age and the fact that she has dementia to probably be in one, depending on how severe her case is. Or having somebody that's, you know, looking out for her in her best interest for everything. Yeah. So... You may not be familiar with who Nichelle Nichols, depending on if you're a Star Trek fan or, you know, what era you grew up with. So we'll let you know who exactly Nichelle Nichols is. So Nichelle Nichols was born Grace Dell Nichols, and she is an American actress and singer from Robbins, Illinois. And so she is most known for playing the role of communications officer, Lieutenant Uhura, and that was on the original Star Trek series. And her role was so important and groundbreaking for the Black community because she was the first African-American woman to play a lead role on television in 1966. And then I also know another fact that I learned a while ago about her is that her character and the character of Captain Kirk, they had the first interracial kiss on TV. And in addition to being, you know, an actress, she was a singer and dancer. And I know she performed with various bands and toured around the country in like the 40s and 50s. And another interesting fact about Nichelle is that she almost left Star Trek after the first season But she happened to have this like chance encounter with Martin Luther King Jr., who was like a huge fan of the show. And in talking with him, he was able to convince her to stay on the show because he pointed out to her like the profound positive effect her role had for black people. You know, here she was on this sci fi drama playing this lead role of like a communications officer. Like it wasn't some stereotypical racist role for this Mm -hmm. black woman. And he let her know of the importance of that and how, you know, so many people can now turn on the TV and see themselves in her. And so luckily because of that conversation, she ended up staying on the show. The original Star Trek series lasted a few years, and then she went on to do cameos and spots in other Star Mm -hmm. Trek series later on as that role. But in 1977, Nichelle was hired by NASA to help recruit women and people of color to the organization. So, you know, building off of that fame and recognition that she got, they realized that, oh, hey, we could use her. This She would be helpful in bringing people to our organization that 
aren't here because, you know, we've never actively tried to really recruit, you know, women and people of color. And because of Nichelle's involvement with NASA, she is credited with the recruitment of Sally Ride, who was the first American female astronaut, and Frederick Gregory, who became the first African-American deputy administrator of NASA. So, you know, what some people might think of and look at like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just a television role. She's just on TV. Like she's just an actress. No, it means so much, especially when you're the first. You mm-hmm. you are coming before and opening the door for so many other people. And her playing pretend in a sci-fi show about space travel literally helped bring in people to, you know, NASA, you know, real space travel stuff. So I thought that was really interesting and, and really great that it shows, you know, how important her role was. Representation matters. Like you're yes. seeing this black woman in space. She's on major television in a major role. She's breaking glass ceilings. Mm-hmm. So she's inspiring people and for NASA to want her to come on to recruit scientists and astronauts to come to space. And that's amazing. And even at Star Trek conventions, because people love Star Trek and even now they're reviving it and have like a new series. But at the convention, she was always a big hit. She was saying there would be lines. People would pay top dollar for her autograph. So she was really monumental, very impactful, and just has a lasting legacy. She started attending fan conventions in the 70s. Convention appearances, you know, after she was no longer on the show, became a major source of income for her. So now currently Nichols, who is 89 years old, suffers from dementia and there is a legal battle over her finances and care. And it involves her only child. She had a son, Kyle Johnson, and he's in his 70s. Her former manager named Gilbert Bell and her concerned friend, as she puts it, Angelique Fawcett. So just to give a sort of timeline breakdown of how now currently, you know, there's this legal battle over Nichelle being in a conservatorship and what's going on. How did we get here? (laughs) Yes. This is definitely a how do we get here and how do all these three people sort of factor into it? In 2009, Nichols met Gilbert Bell and he became her manager. And I remember like, I didn't fully understand how they met, but it was like they had lunch at P.F. Chang's and they hit it off. And all of a sudden, (laughs) here's this man becoming her manager. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. According to Bell, he said that Nichols was having financial struggles because her convention appearances were drying up. And I'm not sure really either what she was doing, you know, post Star Trek in terms of acting roles. I know the conventions were really what was bringing in a lot of her money for her. But Mm -hmm. because those appearances were drying up, he said he stepped in and helped her book conventions and other appearances, films and TV projects. So I guess, you know, he came in being her manager in 2010. Bell sold his home in L.A. And, you know, this is all according to him. Nichols then said, hey, why don't you move into my guest house for free? Okay, so here's your manager and he's now going to move into your guest house for free. Right. (laughs) And what was even more interesting is that he only began paying rent and he claims it was three hundred dollars a month after living there for two years in L.A. L.A., yeah. This is all for, like, Jasmine and I, just red flags. Red flags. I have many questions. What is going on? And, you know, here's a quote from Bell talking about how, you know, Nichols said, we're only across the driveway from each other, and we'll be able to develop these projects much faster. I need to move in. No, you don't need to move in. Or if you... What about your other clients? Yes. What Mm -hmm. about your other clients? Who else are you managing? You know, what does his sort of portfolio look like? And why would you be selling your home? It doesn't seem like this is really a good situation for her. And there wasn't someone else around going, why is this man moving to your house? Like you're onto your property for free. Yeah. Your manager. Your manager should not be doing all this. Additionally... 
Bell, once, you know, he became her manager and everything, he claimed that he helped her go from only booking two to three conventions a year to about two to three conventions every month. And because of that, her annual income increased to several hundred thousand dollars. But again, um, her son, once, you know, later on, we'll bring up how he really got involved into everything. He disputes that number and says that his records and accounting are just so wrong, so wrong Mm -hmm. and so off. And I definitely, yeah, I would need receipts to see what are you claiming because that... I'm trying to think they met in her 80s. So you're telling me this woman who was only doing two to three conventions a year, you're doing them two to three times every month. What conventions are is she going to? Because I imagine yeah. the two to three ones a year are the big ones, the yeah, ones that probably brought in a lot more people. Therefore, you could get more money from it. Are you going to like little rinky dink sort of <laughs> small town ones? Pop ups. Yeah, mm-hmm. little pop up shop sort of conventions where. I just, I heavily question him claiming that all of a sudden she's making all this money now because, you know, he's such a great manager. It's He's telling this story and, you know, congratulating himself on like how he turned her finances around. But like you said, where are those receipts? Yes. Right. And then around 2012, Nichols, she met Angelique Fawcett and Angelique, she is a producer and actress. So her and her husband, they met Nichols while casting her to star in their Star Trek parody film. And then from this meeting, they became close friends, according to Angelique Fawcett. So mm-hmm. that's how she enters this situation. Mm-hmm. So in 2013, Nichols... She collapsed in her living room and was taken to the hospital. At the hospital, she was diagnosed with pancreatitis, and this was attributed to alcohol. So prior to this incident, her son had noticed an increase in her drinking, and he just contributed to her struggling to get booking gigs. That's why she was just drinking a little bit more. Mm. However, she denied drinking, and she refused any treatment. I will say in the hospital, we do get a lot of people, they come in and they have like an acute pancreatitis. And, you know, we ask them about drinking and different things. And they don't want to tell us like how much they've been drinking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, I don't know how this could happen. But yeah, clearly the link, we'll look at like their alcohol levels and it's linked to there and then they're in the hospital and then we start to see they're starting to have some withdrawal symptoms and it's like this the link and you know we try to give them like treatments and everything but while she was at the hospital her son was visiting her her manager bell was there and also her friend angelique angelique she claims that nichols was gravely ill and she reports that it was mainly her and her husband that were the ones by her side while she was at the hospital her son will point out he lives in new mexico so he was probably coming in to visit depending on his job and how often he could visit but angelique claimed she and her husband were the only ones there so her situation had to be pretty bad because after she was in the hospital reportedly for weeks they ended up moving nichols into a nursing and rehabilitation center so it it had to be pretty bad while she was in the nursing rehabilitation center, Nichols, she tried to leave the facility twice on her own. Like she just went in to check out or felt she was getting better, didn't see the need to be in the rehabilitation center and wanted to leave. That was on her own. But then her manager, Bell, he steps in and he checks her out against medical advice and also mm. without the consent of her family. So Hmm. in order to do this, on that day, Bell, he signed an advanced healthcare directive and a general power of attorney. So he named himself as the primary agent as her power of attorney, which allowed him to make healthcare decisions and to manage her finances. He also named Angelique 
Fawcett as the successor on that power of attorney. This is like major red flags. Like how major. did this happen? Major how was this allowed. Yeah, because it's just like she tried to leave on her own twice, and then you have this manager character step in, where I feel there should be documentation of who her family is and who, right. like her son, and why was he then allowed to get her to sign? this directive and power of attorney where now it's like, Oh, she'll be fine. I I'm taking her with me. And I also then wonder why was Angelique named where, where right. was her son in all of this? Exactly. <laughs> this is very strange because on your hospital documents and stuff, your primary contact is usually a family member. Yeah. Next those of kin. The, yes. Next of kin. Those are the ones. And maybe Belle and Angelique, they're visiting her often and stuff like that. But to sign these major papers, I know you have to have like social work involved for it to be approved and for it to be because this is official written documentation. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't her family consulted or notified? And also Angelique as her friend, you know, your name is being put down on there. Why didn't you notify the son? I just don't, I don't know how this happened. And it's not like Belle is her husband. No. Nope. He's her manager. Yeah. How? And like, I'm sure uh, like a manager and client relationship, a lot of people are close if you do have that relationship with them, but they should not be making these decisions over your health and your finances like that. And she has... Her son. She also has other family members like siblings as well. So again, why were they not involved where if she was trying to leave yet again and then the next time her manager is involved, they should have been contacting her family like, by the way, your mother is now being signed out by Bell and this is the paperwork he has because it's just it's all so confusing. And I know like Jasmine, I even discussed like, you know, could he have lied about his relationship to her? Also to note, Bell is a white man. So could there have been something involved of like, oh, now you're not going to question it because she tried to leave on her own. That didn't work. But here's this white man with this documentation. So, oh, everything must be good to go, even though it's still against medical advice. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Did he like come in and exert some type of power control? Like, mm-hmm. I'm her manager. I'm taking her out. She's a celebrity. I'm the one who manages and does X, Y, and Z. But I'm just thinking about in other hospital situations, if somebody's sick, they want to check out, they want to leave. Like you said, we're going to check their next of kin. We want to look and see if they already have a power attorney, a will, what documentations they have in place, like who we will contact. It would be the family. I wouldn't feel comfortable just releasing them to the Mm -hmm. manager. You're not on anything. Any documentation. Maybe you're like, you're visiting, like you're on there to be a visitor, but (laughs) signing power of attorney and just checking her out the next day without calling the family. This is just seems like a red flag. I just don't know how this was able to happen. Yeah. And just to give sort of a brief overview of what a power of attorney is, it gives one or more people the power to act on your behalf, like as your agent. And depending on the scenario situation, it can be limited to like a certain activity or situation. Say you're selling your property and or maybe you'll be absent due to travel, stuff like that. You can give someone that power to sign documents for you in a very limited capacity. And then sometimes it just has a more general purpose. And the power of attorney, that authority that you give to someone can be temporary or permanent. You can also, you know, have that drafted up well in advance that it will take effect maybe immediately should something happen where you need it in that moment and you need to get that done or after the occurrence of a future event, like when you are unable to act for yourself due to like being incapacitated, say you end up with some sort of mental disability, a physical disability or an illness. And again, that can be temporary or permanent. And this is an important thing of, you have to get your affairs in order and Mm -hmm. you, when you are of sound mind and you know exactly what you want and maybe you might have to revisit these documents every few years, 
but establish who do you want to act on your behalf where you know they have your best interest at heart should something happen, whatever it may be, whatever time in your life too. This doesn't, you know, this isn't something that just happens when you become older. Anything could happen at any moment where now, unfortunately, you can't speak for yourself. So you want someone there who will do that for you. And especially in situations of you're not married or you may not have children or maybe you don't have great relationships with certain family members. You really want to designate when you can, who will have that, that power and control. So you know, and can be at ease that, okay, I'm in good hands. And I know the person in charge will do what's best for me. Exactly. And it's important to start having these conversations now, start thinking about who you want, want to be making decisions for you would know what you want and also get this in writing. Yes. And so important to establish the power of attorney and even your will and everything to do with your estate. Now, just have it in writing, start to have those conversations. I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't have nothing to leave you or anything, or it's just take it and just like that. But it's really important to put that in writing because in an emergency situation, you don't want your loved ones arguing, fighting, because maybe someone thinks you want X, Y, and Z, but somebody's like, oh, no, she would want this. Mm-hmm. So just having that written down and established. After she was checked out and had a new power of attorney signed mm-hmm. for her, Angelique Fawcett, she ended up recording a video of Nichols discussing what she wanted in her life. And it's a whole hour long video where she's talking and she appears coherent at times, but she does repeat herself several times. But she states that she wants to continue working and she repeats several times that her son is concerned about her working. And one statement that she says a lot, you know, I'm paying my own bills. If you want to pay my bills, then we can talk mm-hmm. about me not working. Which, which like completely makes sense. Like I got bills to pay Kyle. So, right. you know, I can't just stop doing what I need to do to pay these bills. Like you, you going to pay my bills. I can understand that sentiment, but mm-hmm. I wanted to add in. I feel like later on, Angelique tried to use this to paint him in a negative light where it never felt mm-hmm. like that. in the, but there's a condensed version of the video on YouTube about like 15 minutes long where it just sounds like he's a concerned son where his mom is traveling, you know, around the country or sometimes internationally and she's in her eighties and he wants mm-hmm. to like, wants her to slow down and, you know, possibly look at retiring because she's doing a lot and he doesn't want her to become overworked and overwhelmed. And she mm-hmm. literally, ended up in the hospital because of a drinking issue and pancreatitis. I can understand why he is like, Hey, why don't we ease up a little bit? Why don't we, why don't we take it easy and reevaluate, you know, what's going on and what you're doing. Yeah. And you can tell she really enjoys the conventions being with her fans and doing meet and greets. But as you get older, you know, you still want to work, but, you have to do it on a schedule that's good for your body, your health mm-hmm. and mental well-being. And he's just concerned. He's like, you're just all over the plate. You know, you're traveling all over. You're doing all these things. And you just had this stroke and this incident. So you you checked out the facility against medical advice. Yeah. They wanted you to heal and rest, but you want to go, go, go. And I often see the battle patients with their older parents and loved ones, you know, they're concerned and they're like, oh no, I'm fine. It's fine. I got it. But they're like, no, you really need to be careful. It's just this power struggle of they want to be independent and, you know, take care of themselves and their kids are concerned. They don't want anything to happen to them. They want them to be as safe as possible. It's like the mm-hmm. roles are reversed. They're concerned something may happen to you and, you know, I may not be there. Mm-hmm. So it's just this power struggle. And just Angelique was just asking her, you know, I questions like basically what do you want? 
Do you want to take care of yourself? And, you know, do you want to stay in your home? And yes, all older adults, they want this. They want to grow old in their home. They want to take care of themselves without anybody assisting them. That's everybody's goal. But eventually, even like when we're younger, you still need help. You still need people. You don't want people telling you what to do, but you need help. And, you know, people are looking out for your best entrance. And I saw this video. It's like, yes, you're recording. This is what she's saying it. But as we were just saying, this needs to be in some form of legal document. Like yes. how come her son wasn't contacted? Let's draft up a formal power of attorney. Let's mm-hmm. put this in your will. You know, let's go over your finances to see if you can afford this lifestyle that you want. So that video was recorded in 2013, you know, with Nichelle talking about what she wanted for her life and how she wanted to stay in her home. But then in 2015, Nichols suffered a mild stroke and that meant she required even more and intensive care. And so her manager, Bell, apparently arranged for physical therapists, caregivers, and assistants. And he claims that the line blurred between manager, caregiver, and friend. And through his attorney, he stated it was a very, very close, as it often happens, uh, between managers and their clients in L.A. because it's intensely personal work. And apparently also during this time, the bond that Fawcett had with Nichelle also deepened. And apparently she became to view her as like a family member. But Fawcett did make a, a statement about the manager, Bell, that like he was... Nichols gatekeeper and he controlled who had access to her and she stated that I never really liked the guy I had to deal with him in order to see my friend I find that interesting because then why were you like allowing him to have power attorney and name you as a successor but you saw that there were some sort of control issues that he was demonstrating that you viewed as like you know there's something iffy here I'm confused about how it, in in my view, again, we don't know the whole story of everything. It seems like your opinion is flip-flopping when maybe things aren't going the way in which you want them to go. And at first you were fine with Belle, but then maybe some things change. And um, some things definitely did start changing. But Fawcett also then stated that, you know, her son wasn't around much and he made rare appearances to assist around the house. And again, like, don't know the whole picture, but he did have his whole life and job and family in New Mexico. So, again, we don't know what schedule he had, what time he had to be able to come. But, like, he did come. You are acknowledging that he did come to see his mother. And maybe he thought, like, everything was mostly under control. Who really knows? Yeah, if he's seeing caregivers and assistants come in and help him with his mom, we don't know her full state. But if he's coming to visit and Nichols, she seems very strong-willed. She wants to do things on her own. She's probably telling him, I'm fine. I got this under control. It's fine. They're taking care of me. You know, I'm going to my appointments and everything. So he's like, it's okay. She's sick, but she doesn't want me to step in or he's probably telling her like, Hey, you can come move to New Mexico where I'm at. And she's like, no, I want to stay in my house. And he's like, he probably can't pack up what he's doing in New Mexico to live in LA full time. So he's coming in to check when he can. And he sees she has assistance, hopefully Mm -hmm. a manager that is supposedly doing right by her supposedly enjoying things and friends that are coming to check on her. So he feels comfortable at this time, you know, letting her stay in LA. So Angelique, you know, commenting, she's like you said, she's playing both sides commenting, you know, her son's not around, but then bell, he is here and it's kind of like she said, being a gatekeeper, like controlling who has access to her and stuff like that. And you also, if she knew about the power of attorney and being the successor and stuff like that, it's very strange. It always seems like she frames herself as like, but I'm really the best person. I'm the one 
who has been doing the most for her. I'm the one who has been so supportive where you're really framing yourself in such a glowing light that again, mm-hmm. I like there's a little red flag to me. Like you're just a friend though. You're a friend that she met in 2012. I I'm questioning, I'm questioning some things. I'm questioning something, especially mm-hmm. since you met her because you're clearly a fan and you wanted her to be in something that you were producing. So there's an ulterior motive there as well. And so that was like 2015 around Mm -hmm. early 2018 is when things really got like, you know, red alert. What is happening? What is going on? And that's when the manager bell told Fawcett that he wanted to marry Nichols, which is like, Oh, 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 okay. 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 We talk about marriage. Uh, okay, what? and Bell <laughs> apparently said that he and Nichols talked about marriage as a business partnership, a way to ensure that she was protected financially. He was allowed all like access and control to her money because how how does getting married to you protect her? If anything, this would be a situation of to protect her financially. You have her draft a will. You have her dictate to a lawyer, here's exactly what I want to happen to my estate. Here's exactly what I, like, it's just all weird. And upon finding that out, Fawcett then was like, okay, I need to tell Kyle, her son, about this and let them know what's going on. Because even then, okay, the gatekeeping, oh, you let that go, whatever. But now it's like, he wants to marry her. It makes no sense. Now she's like alerted and things like that. And him saying, as he wants to protect her financially, you can hire a financial planner, an estate manager, people that manage money. You know, you're managing her bookings and career stuff. There's somebody else you can hire. Marrying her to protect her finances? No, you trying to get more than just a guest house for $300 a month, supposedly that you're paying. So many things wrong here. So with that happening and then Fawcett telling Kyle Johnson about it in May 2018, that prompted him to file a petition for conservatorship because he was just like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't know what's going on now, but like I need to step in and I need to protect my mother. So a conservatorship or it can also be known as an adult guardianship is when a court appoints an individual or professional and that's to act on behalf of an adult who is no longer able to handle their finances or personal affairs. So typically it, and what that means is if a court appoints someone to take care of financial matters, that person is usually called a conservator of the estate and a person in charge of medical and personal decisions is a conservator of just like the person themselves. And generally they are established for people who, you know, are in comas. They suffer from advanced stages of Alzheimer's disease, or they have, you know, other really serious illnesses or injuries when people step in. And this is, I think a good example of when people can question for Britney Spears you know, how is she in a conservatorship for 13 years where of what we listed here, she might have a serious sort of mental illness, but that was in check with, you know, the right doctors for some time. And she was performing and making millions and millions and millions of dollars that I can understand. But this is a situation of, I can view it as my mother's being taken advantage of what in the world is going on. With him filing for petition of conservatorship, in the documents, it shows that Nichols, she was diagnosed with dementia around 2015, and her doctor stated she had moderate progressive dementia, also notes that she had short-term memory and moderate impairment of understanding abstract concepts, sense of time, place, and immediate recall. So all these can affect her judgment, her basically agreeing to marry her manager and also check out against medical advice because she could have been formally diagnosed, but 
with dementia, but the symptoms and signs could have been taking place way before 2015. Among the many reasons why her son, beyond like, okay, now you're trying to marry my mother, of Kyle filing for the conservatorship, once he really got involved and started looking into his mother's affairs, he learned that the manager had transferred his mom's home into his name in 2017. So again, it's like, oh, excuse you. What? What in the world is happening and why? Why would that even be necessary? Or is that going to go back to, you know, you want to protect her financially. So you, you took over her home? That makes no sense. You're clearly taking advantage mm-hmm. of this woman by transferring all her assets, major assets, into yeah. your name. And you're supposedly managing her career and her money. It makes no sense. And then family members also pointed out how Bell intentionally isolated her from family contact and then was able to coerce her into signing this long-term lease agreement that allowed him to remain in her guest house for eight years. And he literally paid $300 a month in rent and put nothing toward utilities. And with him sort of managing her and his apparent, oh yeah, she's booking all these deals, making hundreds of thousand dollars a year. He was actually draining her assets and, and leaving her in debt. What kind of manager, what kind of friend are friend. you? You're such a close friend, but you're mm-hmm. taking advantage of yeah. this woman and her yeah. situation. And if her son hadn't stepped in, what mm-hmm. would have happened? You know, the house would have been in your name. You would have been marrying her. And in 2018, also that same year in August, Angelique Fawcett, she went to court to object Johnson's petition for conservatorship. So she was the same one who alerted Johnson, let him know that Bell was trying to marry mm-hmm. his mom to protect her assets. But then she goes to court to object to Johnson's petition. So her reasoning for objecting the petition, she accused Johnson of primarily wanting access to Nichols' income and personal property. And she also said that Nichols would be able to manage her own personal and financial affairs with limited help from a caregiver or assistant. But prior to this court document, we see that her manager is basically taking advantage of her. And we also want to note when Kyle put in the petition for the conservatorship, no one else in the family had any objections. No one who has known Nichols like Mm -hmm. her entire life has known Kyle his entire life. No one had objections. Additionally, Fawcett even said that her son was absolutely careless with Nichols' well-being, except for a few occasions over the last six years, and he did not bother to visit her. Johnson, responding to her objection, said how he believes that Fawcett is trying to profit off of Nichols' fame. And I can see it from that perspective where like, you only met her because you wanted her to be involved in a project that you were producing. And you continue to want her to work. And you're getting attention by giving interviews on Nichols' behalf and giving updates. So you're getting some attention from this as well. It seems like you want to make sure that you continue to have access because, you know, if the son is stepping in, he lives in a different state. He's going to eventually either move Mm -hmm. in with the mom and, you know, limit things or he's going to move her to New Mexico and you're not going to have as much access as you do before. And if you have such a good relationship with Nichols, you also need to consider her son, her Mm -hmm. family as well, and establish a relationship with them. It's just very strange. It's really strange. And not too long after you met Nichols, she ended up being diagnosed with dementia and was being treated with dementia for some time. And then she had other, you know, health crises that occurred. So were you truly meeting her in her 
right state of mind where you could really assess and know exactly what she wants or are you not getting the full picture because she's already started to lose some of her cognitive functioning. So in January, 2019, her son, Kyle Johnson, he was appointed temporary conservator over her person and her estate. So with this, the court suspended Bell's power of attorney and Nichols, her home was transferred back into her name. Her son, he ended up moving to LA and he was serving as her sole caregiver. And he also mapped out some appearances for her to go to conventions and to do the things she enjoyed. But he also saw that her finances, she wasn't bringing in as much money. And she was also in a lot of debt as well. And also the court battles that drained a lot of money as well. Additionally, in 2019, her manager, Bell, because he wasn't being able to see her as much, he filed a lawsuit against Johnson. And he alleged that Johnson was trying to remove him from Nichols' guest home where he had been living since 2010. And also he claimed aggressive and combative behavior. But he's trying to remove you from the property. Remove you from being a leech. You have been a... You have been a leech on his mother's life and well-being and finances for far too long. And he is just like, you got to go. You need to leave. Yeah. And Belle recorded a video and all I've seen is the audio. In the video, he's reading the conservator documents to Nichols in the guest house and Nichols is like surprised. She's like, I didn't give permission to have a conservatorship over me. And when her son comes back in the house, she tells him, I didn't tell you you could have control of me. And then in the video, she's like screaming, like, get off of me, get off of me. Basically, like, I can do what I want. And Belle ended up releasing this video Mm -hmm. to the media. It just shows Nichols just screaming and hollering, like, what's going on? And people are like, what's going on? What is, they were criticizing Johnson. Like, what is he doing? Why is she screaming? But people were also criticizing Bell because why is he releasing footage of a person upset that mm-hmm. has dementia for the public to see? And a lot of people just brought questions like, what is going on? This is when a lot of people heard of the case and were concerned about her well-being. But in the video, you can hear her son calmly saying, Mom, let's go. We have to go. Mm-hmm. He's calm. But just what pierces through all that is Nichols just screaming like, get off me, get off me. When you can tell he's trying to remove her from the situation mm-hmm. from Bell and everything yeah. that was going on. And that was around the time Bell filed his lawsuit against Johnson. So it's just back and forth lawsuits against each other. And then her son filed another lawsuit against Bell, accusing him of elder abuse and also defrauding yeah. his mother because he misappropriated her income as her health was deteriorating and her memory was fading. As of right now, what we know about Nichols, she's currently living in New Mexico with her son. He had to sell her house And the funds were placed into a conservatory account to pay for her care needs. Currently, we don't know the progression of Nichols' dementia because ever since her son moved her to New Mexico to take care of her and be her caregiver, he hasn't allowed you know, people to come and see her. Specifically, he hasn't allowed Belle or Fawcett to come and see her, and that's been since 2019. But her sister did note that she is not the person that she used to be, the vibrant, in-charge, take-care-of-everything person. And recently, as of January 2022, an L.A. County Superior Court judge rejected Fawcett's legal claim against Johnson and said that the conservatorship is now under New Mexico jurisdiction and she didn't have enough evidence to back up her claims. So that's currently where we are with sort of, I guess, the legal battles. So this week 
on our organization feature, we wanted to highlight a program that works with families that are caring for loved ones with dementia. This week's organization is the X2 Caregiver Project. So it is a faith-based skill building and support program that's designed to meet the needs of caregivers of older adults that have dementia. So the program is completely free and they have support sessions where you will learn the essential skills needed to support your loved ones. It's also telephone-based training. It consists of 12 sessions, so seven group sessions and five individual sessions. So each caregiver, they receive a training guidebook, which covers key caregiving skills such as relaxation, effective thinking, and problem solving, integrated with faith sharing and prayer. The training is very practical and it puts special emphasis on goal setting and improving the caregiver's spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. Because it takes a lot to care for a person with dementia and it can be stressful. It can be rewarding and then it can also be stressful. And oftentimes when you're caring for a loved one, you may neglect to care for yourself or maybe... If you're caring for your mom, you probably have kids and maybe a spouse that you also have to take care of. So other parts of your life can be neglected. So it's just focusing on giving you the tools that you need to be able to take care of yourself and also be able to take care of your loved one. And the program is very comprehensive. They focus on seven major components, which include one, starting with understanding the basic characteristics of progressive dementia. So just understanding what to expect, what can happen, and how to deal with certain factors. Also, relaxation training techniques with prayer and meditation. They also talk about effective thinking, about the challenges of caregiving coupled with like self-care messages and also prayer and scripture. They also focus on building daily activities, which will help to guard against emotional distress. And also you're meeting in buddy groups. It's nice to talk with other people that are going through the same thing. They can talk about what's working. You can talk about what's working. You can bounce ideas. And it's just good to have that support system so you can be able to manage the situation. Just they help you to also build your own social support. So you may think it's just on you to be able to take care of your loved one, but thinking about who else can you depend on? What programs can you look into? They also provide a wealth of different resources that you can look to get tools and additional support that you can get access to take care of your loved one. So I think this is a really great program. want to highlight them, support them, and just people who are caring for loved ones. I know a few people that I want to give this information to that they would definitely benefit from. So in order to qualify for this program, you have to be a caregiver of a loved one with dementia for a minimum of six hours a week. And that's not anything. You know, sometimes you may be visiting, maybe you have total care of them, they live with you, or even if you're visiting, checking in on them, they, maybe they live in an assisted living, but you're still providing for them. And also the loved one has a diagnosis of some form of progressive dementia, whether it's Alzheimer's disease or whether it's vascular dementia, maybe dementia caused by a stroke or some other medical condition. And also if you're experiencing significant stress in your caregiving role, which Any new role taking care of someone is going to cause stress. So those are just the three qualifications. So, and like we said, the training is completely free. Additionally, if you complete the full training process and sessions, they give you $90 at the end of the program. We want you, as our listeners, if you know somebody that is taking care of a loved one with dementia and experiencing stress, to let them know about this program and This is a completely grant-funded program, and they also take donations. So you can also go to their page, which we'll link in our show notes. And by supporting the X2 program, you can help them to increase their outreach. So you can help them train more caregivers and help more people with dementia and loved ones. Like we were highlighting the case 
caring for a loved one with dementia, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of stress. So getting those skills of how to effectively manage your stress, how to communicate with a loved one with dementia, because like we showed, they can have periods of ups and downs. So just being able to effectively communicate and diffuse the situation and put things in place so that your loved one can be their best self and you can also be as stress-free as possible. So once again, this week's organization is the X2 program. You can follow them on social media and also visit their website. But please, please, if you know someone caring for a loved one with dementia and you notice that they're stressed or just overwhelmed or you haven't seen them that much and you notice that they don't have much you know, time for themselves, share the program with them. They have plenty of resources on their website that they can check out. It'll be very helpful. And then also give them a follow, share, and also if you can, donate to their organization. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Michelle Nichols' situation illustrates the importance of getting your affairs in order and discussing your final wishes with your family. Establishing power of attorney before a health crisis is the best way to avoid a conservatorship. It allows you to choose who will act as your agent, and it also clearly defines their authority and any limits that it may have. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss, share your own personal story, or shout out an organization or individual, please email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and Twitter at Distrust Pod. Thank you.